from the banks of the Yiger River to the mountains of Boshem, beside homestead hearths, around travelers' campfires, on the streets of cities great and small, her stories are told. Destroyer of demons, swindler of spirits, former prefect of the celestial city, 10,000 voices telling 10,000 tales. Hear them now as they tell the tales of Frost Cricket. Let it be known that this story is approved by the Bureau of Censorship for the edification of the people of Yengola. Frost Cricket and the Light that Burned the Banners of Heaven I was told that once, when the land was young and the lawgivers walked with man, the celestial city watched over the earth and all was at peace. The city was supported by ten pillars of light, each a guardian of sacred virtue. The eighth pillar was purity. It was named in the old tongue, as the other nine were. That name has been expunged from all records, and we shall never speak it again, lest it wake the light that burned the banners of heaven. Despite its austere disposition, the eighth pillar was steadfast in its role as guardian. It believed in the purity of the celestial city, and watched over it for many centuries with parental affection. But the softest silk can wear a mountain to sand, if given enough time. The guardian of purity watched as the celestial city swelled with licentiousness and graft, and it grew angry. It watched as many priests and bureaucrats became petty and corrupt, willing to trade their principles for wealth and power, and it shook with rage. Despite these tremors, nothing changed. The people suffered in squalor, while those in power committed grotesque abuses. And soon, the Guardian could bear no more. The Celestial City trembled as the Eighth Pillar rose over it. The light of its judgment seared the city with white-hot flame. Thousands perished, their shrieks unheeded by the Eighth Pillar, who had decided that all of the heavens must burn. Every schoolchild knows the names of the five champions of the Celestial City. Each of them rose to face the light that burned the banners of heaven, ready to defend the lawgivers and their divine works. Yet even they could not stay the heat of the Eighth Pillar's fury. None of them save one. But we will get to her in time. First came Fireforged Amicio, who was born by an erupting volcano. His tempered steel skin let him spend all day in the fires of his workshop, working hot metal with his bare hands. Yet the white light of the eighth pillar shone so brightly off Amicio's body that it blinded him. He fell to the ground, clutching his eyes in agony. Second came Primus Manyface, who convinced the moon to devour her sisters. Their silver tongue was yet untarnished by failure. And so they gathered their wits and wore them as armor while they talked. But a silver tongue was cheap and flimsy before the eighth pillar's righteous fury. 
its searing light burned away all courtesies. So Primus yielded, their round cheeks made crimson from the heat. Third came Cade, who needs no title. She drew her sword, cleaves the morning, which would not be sheathed until it drank crimson victory. And with her arms like trees, she struck a hideous blow. The eighth pillar was afraid then, for the first and only time in its long life. Cleaves the morning severed one of its limbs, which fell to the ground, twitching and burning, until it guttered out, melting the great stone plaza. But the eighth pillar shone with burning intensity, and its heat warped Cleaves the morning, as though it were a child's toy. Cade tried to grapple the guardian, only to burn her hands so badly she would not heal for a year. She too was defeated. Fourth was Slender Oak, who wielded the law as his weapon. The priest king's art bent his foes to his will, and he commanded with a voice of duty that the eighth pillar return to its rightful place. But the eighth pillar was so convinced its duty was to purify the celestial city that Slender Oak could not dissuade it. So the priest king shouted with a voice of order, cowing the eighth pillar for a moment with the knowledge of the innocent lives it was destroying. But it shook the guilt from its eyes, and its light chastised Slender Oak's humanity, sending him into seclusion to meditate on his own imperfections for a full month. And what of the fifth champion, who was not yet a champion? Frost Cricket was merely a prefect of the Eighth Division when the Guardian began its holy rampage. She watched from the clerking spire as the four champions fell. As each one did, Frost Cricket let out a musical sigh. She reached into her brief and pulled out a cloak, as black as night, and her brass rod of office. She wrapped herself in the cloak and tucked the rod beneath it, then walked to the door. The other bureaucrats tried to block her path, begging Frost Cricket not to leave the safety of the clerking tower. Frost Cricket swatted them aside, as if they were cats who wanted to go out in the rain. As she stepped out the door, Frost Cricket's cloak grew, becoming a shadow so dark it drank the light. The eighth pillar did not notice at first, for its brilliant white judgment was focused on the fatuous and grotesque priests of the worm, who had flouted every one of their traditions for power and wealth. Frost Cricket drew forth her brass rod, uttered a secret word of sleep, and struck the eighth pillar three times. Instantly, it was consumed by an unnatural slumber. This was not the end, however. Even in sleep, the eighth pillar dreamed of a burning, purifying light that spilled over into the waking world. Emicio forged a special coffin for the Eighth Pillar, even though it was not dead. Once entombed, the Guardian was sent high into the heavens, where its light burned in the night sky. It was renamed Somnolael, the Sleeping Star, and to this day travelers mark their journeys by its position. Frost Cricket was anointed with milk and salt, 
and the priest royals declared her the Celestial City's fifth champion. Yet Frost Cricket chose to remain a simple prefect for many years, until she was consumed with wanderlust and took to the road by foot. Sadly, that story is not yet approved by the censors, so it will have to wait for another day. This story scroll is the rightful inheritance of the priest royals of Yengola. Therefore, may the holy judge condemn anyone who steals, tears, or copies this story without consent. Let that criminal be broken upon the racks and wheels of the highest judgment. And may any who pervert this story to tell the people lies or heresy regarding the celestial city and the lawgivers be dragged away by the old kind, to be tortured unspeakably for the rest of their miserable lives. Our cover art was drawn by Matthew K. Hoddy. To see more from him, check out patreon.com slash mkhoddy. Tales of Frost Cricket is written, narrated, and produced by Joseph Stillworth. To see more of Joe's work, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at AnimisticEngine. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Joe is always happy to collaborate with other creators on new ideas and formats for Tales of Frost Cricket. If you're interested, email animisticengine at gmail.com. You can support the show financially by giving Joe a tip via Ko-Fi. Think of it as buying him a drink in exchange for telling this tale. Visit ko-fi.com slash animisticengine and donate. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.